This is your other brother's podcast. To your other brothers, podcasts, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. My name is Tom, and for the first time in well over a year, I am coming at you live from the Jewel of the Blue Ridge. I miss saying that phrase so much. Live from the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, Asheville, North Carolina. My name is Tom. What's up, everybody? And joining with me, joining me, joining with me on this show is... My brother, on the other side of the state, the city of Oaks, Ryan. Hi, everyone. And joining us right on time is our other brother from the Midwest, <laughs> Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hello, hello. What's up, y'all? This is really exciting for me. It's, it probably doesn't translate as well as I would like it to in an audio format. But if you could see the video feeds of the last dozen or so podcasts, you would not see the rolling beautiful hills of the Blue Ridge outside your window. Those have been absent for well over a year now. And I'm so excited to be back living in Asheville after all this time. And it's so exciting to be back where where your other brother's podcast began. It feels like coming back to my roots a little bit. And I'm excited to be here. So thanks y'all for joining me on the the Zoom lines from around the country. Yeah, it's a little sad to uh, to be here alone in my house recording, but you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that you've you know found found another lease in the in the uh, jewel of the ridge there. And unlike you two, I'm used to recording these all alone. So I'll say, Jacob is delighted. Keep on keeping. Jacob's on. delighted that we are now separated and not Finally. together because for the last year, all this time. yeah, for the last year I've been. Um, sometimes we reference it on the show, but yeah, I've been traveling to Raleigh, and so sometimes I'd record with Ryan. I think we did at least one or two episodes where you were Jacob, at least one. I we did. Think of. We so did. Sorry, I yes. came and visited you, and we recorded, and so it's been uh, it's been Yobcast on the road for yeah, well over a year, and now it's time it's time for Yob to come home to these beautiful mountains. And so I'm excited to be back. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, again, I don't know if that translates, but it, it's so momentous to me. I couldn't not, I couldn't not bring it up and just treat this as a regular episode. So I'm excited to be back, back in Asheville today. We are talking about chosen family. And this is really exciting because this was the first time that we've ever just like given the keys to this show. <laughs> over to our audience, over to our yobbers. I mean, selectively. So the way it's going to work for the next few episodes is we're basically coming up with three potential topics that we pre-decide. And then we're just letting the yobbers say, which one do you want to hear us talk about? And so today, this is the one. I'm not going to say what the other two were, but um, I got to say, I was surprised by the poll results. I was not expecting to be talking about this with y'all today. So, but we're going to do it. We're going to talk about chosen family because that is what the yobbers have said. Give the people what they want. Absolutely. Give the yobbers their yearnings, and that is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about chosen family today, which I am really excited to talk about. A good old relational uh, podcast, I feel like this will be. So, 
Stay tuned for that. But of course, we're not going to just start talking about Chosen Family right now, are we, boys? No. <laughs> We've got to talk about 18 other things no, first, much to <laughs> our audience's delight. They love it when we do this intro stuff. So let's do it. Let's talk about it. Our last episode, we had Taylor Zimmerman on the show, and it was our longest episode yet. It was two plus hours. I How do y'all feel the length of it went? Were you engaged the whole time? Were you checking out after uh, an hour 47? Or, or how did you feel? Because I feel like the feedback I saw was pretty positive. That's not to say we're going to be doing two-hour podcasts all the time, but I was curious how y'all received that last podcast. Yeah, I would not like to make it that long every time, and I certainly, as I listen to podcasts, I'm not looking for anything that long ever. But I feel like this was the exception Mm -hmm. to the rule where we had such good conversation and such good content that it really merited that length yeah as as we were recording it it seemed like it went by fast to where even i was i was actually really surprised when i listened to it and i saw how long that it actually was because that is not how it felt recording it which i think to kind of echo what ryan just said i think that it was um there was something uniquely special about the quality of the content and the conversation that i think um yeah i think it was it was worth being a longer one I think so too. When I was editing that episode, I was, it was in my mind that this needs to be under two hours. Like it needs to be kind of like what I've determined is the sweet spot is an hour and a half, maybe to an hour 45 if there's a lot of good content. But, but then it's like, oh my gosh, this thing is over two hours long and I I don't know what to cut. Like I've already cut out some of our silliness from the beginning, but, and you know, that goes straight to the Yabba log. So y'all can enjoy on the Yabber side, our bonus podcast. But, uh, yeah, it was hard to figure out what to cut with Taylor because everything that we talked about with him was just, it felt so meaningful and important. And hopefully y'all enjoyed it. Like I said, we probably won't be doing that super often, but every once in a while you might get a gem where we're just on a roll if we have a guest or or maybe we'll just strike gold when it's just the three of us sometime and we'll just talk <laughs> for two and a half hours about pure like meaning of life stuff and it'll be amazing. <laughs> Nah, I feel like with you guys that could happen. <laughs> I think I think that only happens when when we bring on other, mm. other people. I think with two of us it could happen. Not gonna say who the one that it couldn't happen. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that was our last podcast. Yikes. So fun times. Hopefully we'll be having more guests on soon. So stay tuned, y'all. Um, but first we gotta do a quick roundup for the last month because we've had some adventures amongst the three of us, not together but separately. So first of all, Ryan and I, we went on a trip to Montana, or as I like to call it, Mantana. Ew. (laughs) Yes, we went to Montana together, Ryan, and we hiked at Glacier National Park. um, And it was fantastic. Do you have any like stories, Ryan, that come to mind? I have one that comes to mind as, as I think about this adventure and what to share on on this podcast. You know, the the thing I keep telling people about Montana is that you're driving through rural Montana, the roads are two lanes, like one one going in each direction. The speed limit is 75 miles an hour. And you're driving along, you're zipping along at 75 miles an hour, there are just cattle running loose uh, adjacent to the road. Like they, they, and the cattle just love being right next to the road, I guess it's the most interesting place. And so the the cattle are there. And so you have to like, be careful not to hit the cattle. 
and then you come up on a town and the speed limit immediately drops to 35 miles an hour going through the town. And then once you get out of the town, it immediately goes back to 75 miles an hour. Like there's no, there's no gradation or anything. And I'm, I'm like, man, in Montana, they treat you like an adult. Like they just, they just say, Hey, we're not going to be able to enforce a speed limit in this state. (laughs) Just, you know, just don't hit any cows. And are, are these like hilly roads? Are you doing like lots of ups and downs or is it pretty flat in these? Okay. A lot of straightaways. Yeah. You just go, go to your heart's desire. Yeah. But, but watch out for those aforementioned cows. Yeah. The other, the other thing I remember, the other thing I remember is we stayed one night in a hostel in Pole Bridge, Montana, which is, I, I suspect very close to the Canadian border and we stayed with a man from South Germany named Oliver, who's been owning on operating this hostel for a while. And and one thing, okay, one thing you have to understand about Polebridge is Polebridge has electric power for one hour a day between. It's like called the power hour, maybe. <laughs> and so, it's called the power hour. Oh. We missed power hour, and this hostel has like uh, it doesn't have. It has indoor plumbing in that it has sinks, but it doesn't have toilets. So you use like an outhouse. Um, and so this, this guy, Oliver, I read on a newspaper clipping that he had framed in the washroom in the hostel that he, um, he visited the hostel sometime before 2007 and, um, and stayed in the hostel and he stayed in it for a few nights and that turned into a few weeks, that turned into a few months, and that turned into a few years, and then he decided to just buy the hostel so he could keep living there. It's like, what a what a success story. Wow. A German wanderer just comes to Montana, like middle of nowhere. This is a we say it's a town of Polebridge, but we say that very loosely. Like they have an honorary mayor, which we joked was a bear. And it probably it wouldn't surprise me if if a grizzly bear was the mayor of this town. But um, there's like nothing there. It's one building, and then it's just houses and RVs just scattered in the woods. It feels like it feels like a town in the old west. Like oh, you yeah. pull in a town, there's like mm-hmm. there's like a few buildings and like a general store where you buy literally everything right. that there is to buy in Polebridge, and then you turn right and drive a little bit, and you get to the hostel. <laughs> But that's where this guy's been making his dreams come true for the last couple decades now. With that logic, if I were to go to Kroger and just sort of hang out there for multiple days, months, years, could I eventually own Kroger? Because <laughs> if that's the case, I mean, it's a 24-7 establishment. So if I just like pitch a tent on mm. on aisle seven, can I eventually just own the place? Is that how that works? Maybe your power bill might be a little higher. Higher? But Oh, because of Brendan Kroger? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I mean, you could install a power hour. like. Oh, yeah, you could hour. just cut off the power for 23 hours a day. That would save you a lot of money. Was there, was there any kind of cool, like, announcement to let you know that it was power hour? Was there some kind of, like, song that played? No, we, we missed, missed it. it. Yeah, there might oh, there could so have been a was, laser just, show. And, like, you were only there for just one night, right? Yeah, we were and just were there, there for one night. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that's that's yeah, not we cool. missed it. But yes, no, that was that was a very eclectic um, Wild West experience. I enjoyed I enjoyed that a lot. So that was that was one trip. And then Jacob, I came to see you for a little bit. Yes. 
You want to tell the people about the exciting things we did? Oh, yes. We went on so many adventures. We hiked for 13 miles <laughs> uphill both, yeah, we both did. ways. Uh, yeah, we, uh, what did, what did we do? We did, um, we did an, es- an escape room that we just absolutely owned. We were out in 45 minutes because mm-hmm. we're bomb. Nice. Tell the people the name of our team. Our team name. Uh, well, our, our team name doesn't really make sense unless you No, that's in the, the point. Oh, okay. Uh, our team name was, there are nine switches. <laughs> and so you just have to imagine what that could possibly mean. But it makes it better if you imagine that there was a time during the room where I was yelling that phrase repeatedly at Tom, who doesn't know how to count. So just <laughs> picture that in your head. Mm-hmm. Beautiful image. There are nine switches. So this is a Angry Jacob yells, there are nine switches. Well, we should have done Jacob now that I'm thinking about it. Because we blanked for a little while when they asked yeah, us what our team name was after we froze. But something that would be so fun to do would be to like throw future teams off by like giving a false answer to, <laughs> to one of the clues and be like, <laughs> it's blue, green, green, red. And so when it gets to that part, they try that out and then they're just like, wait, but it's supposed to be, it's blue, blue, green, red. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to guess they probably would have censored us had we been too explicit with our fake, fake uh, clues. That'd be fun. Fun ideas um, for the future. Yes. Yes, indeed. That was, that was fun. Um, I'm, wh- so so the prime the prime attraction of why I came though I mean not to, not just to see you oh, I mean because yes. seeing you is a, an an adventure and something to look forward to regardless but in addition <laughs> to seeing you and escaping with you we also attended a Preston Sprinkle conference together which mm-hmm. was amazing because I've yeah we we both have listened to him or read his books and he, he's you know a pretty popular guy in our in our community. And I actually didn't get to meet him at the first Revoice conference. He presented at the first Revoice conference. And I tried to meet him after his presentation. And the line was just so long. And I just, I missed him. I couldn't, I couldn't see him. And so I made it a point to go out to, to visit you, but then also go to his conference, which was amazing. He just, yeah, he's wise and mature and funny and empathetic. And just, I, I hesitate to say a perfect human being because that's not true, but I aspire <laughs> I mean, to a lot of what he is, who he is. <laughs> he's probably listening to this now. So you shout out, to, shout out, to Preston, shout out to Preston. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite part of the Preston Sprinkle conference was that there's a segment in the conference where he uses this really cool uh, website where people can submit, um, they can submit questions. And so they'll submit questions. You'll see all kinds of questions about LGBT family members or, or church members or policies or whatever and so there's a lot of good meaty hearty discussions that come out of that but then one person sent in their question oh and i forgot to say so then when people are submitting their questions everyone else in the room can upvote those questions so only the ones that rise to the top are the ones that he answered so he answered like seven or eight of the questions um but one question that you that uh, a guest submitted was is your last name really sprinkle and that one got upvoted all the way to the top. And that was by far my favorite yep. question. No, no, actually it was, <laughs> is your last name really Sprinkles? <laughs> and right. his response yeah. was, no, there's only yep. one of me. And that was a great mm-hmm. answer, I thought. And like and like 20 plus people up upvoted it to make sure that it would yeah, make yeah. it to the that top. That was my favorite. Which was it was fun to like see crazy. it start at its humble beginnings and then start to see like and it rises to the top. What's weird is that since I am so used to him or used to his name now, I don't realize that it's odd until I tell other people like, hey, I went to a, a conference with this guy named Preston Sprinkle and every time they're like, Sprinkle? Really? Is he a clown? 
<laughs> like, yeah. Sprinkle. Mr. Uh, Sprinkle. He has one of the best names. One of the best names ever, honestly. Like, it's it, it's poetry. His name is poetry. It's poetry. Yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> the fact that he is not attracted to men is hilarious it's a miracle it's a miracle right (laughs) a miracle um yeah it was a it was a fun time and it was cool to also meet uh one of our yobbers so shout out to this yobber who is also at the conference and um another one or two of our followers as well was there and they introduced themselves up Mm -hmm. to me so it was just an all-around good time of of hearing what preston had to say and then also connecting with other conference goers from the region so it was it was fun that was the first time that that i had ever met someone in person who listens to the show and made a comment about like something that I had shared on the show. Oh. And it was very surreal of like, Oh, like you've, like you've listened to me and we're just now meeting. So that was, that was pretty cool. That was a fun experience. You finally became a celebrity, Jacob. <gasps> yes. I've, <laughs> I've arrived. You've arrived. I've made it. The paparazzi are coming to your door as we speak. Uh, that's only Grubhub. But oh yeah, <laughs> Grubhub may or may not be coming as well. So stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Can't wait. So yes, I had a glorious summer. That was like the capper of my trips. Cause I took a few trips this summer living on the road and trying to figure out next steps for my life. And so it was awesome to be able to end the summer with you guys, both Ryan in Montana and and Jacob escaping a room. <laughs> Comparable adventures, one and all. So it was it was great. It was really good times. So, so yeah, but now here we are, we're back, back in the Blue Ridge and we are rolling in to everyone's new favorite intro segment, the shameless share. All right. Um, so I have had a situation in my life and my plan was to share about this with you and tell the story and I needed advice. And so I was going to ask you guys for advice. Well, this situation Aww. Yeah, so this situation, though, has developed faster than I expected, and we didn't record quite when I expected us to, and so I had to go ahead and make some decisions, and now it's resolved, and so I think what I'm going to do is tell the story up to the point where I needed advice, <laughs> and then ask you guys. I love it. I love manu- manufactured <laughs> scenarios are my favorite, so let's yeah. manufacture this. Let's go. But then I can tell you what I decided, and you can give me feedback. So then if if you didn't do what, what we said, are we allowed still to say, I told you so, even if it's after the fact? Yeah. Okay. You're allowed to say whatever you want. This is me soliciting input. Excellent. Early last week or the week before last, I got a random text message from, from an unidentified number. This person said, hey. You up? No, this person, sorry, this person started with, yo, what's up? Mm. It was an unidentified number, so I didn't respond. Because uh, I thought, oh, clearly it's a wrong number. Um, they'll figure it out and leave me alone. <laughs> but no, the next day they text again. They say, hey. I thought, okay, well, the area code is 314, which is St. Louis. I know some people in St. Louis. Maybe it's someone I met at Revoice and it's trying to get a hold of me or something. So I said, hi, who's this? Uh, they say, it's Austin. I said, Austin who? He said, from the bar Saturday. I thought back to Saturday, <laughs> and that Saturday I was in a cabin by a lake, definitely not at a bar. So I said, oh, wrong number, sorry. He goes, really? This isn't Nick? And I said, nope, Ryan. And he said, 
uh, the F word. That's not right. Um, and then, and then he didn't text for a while. So I thought, okay, well that's the end of that conversation. But no, later <laughs> the next day he texts me and asks, do you know him? And so I respond, I mean, I know a few Nicks, but I'm not close with any of them. I'm guessing this dude either intentionally or unintentionally gave you the wrong number. Sorry, man, just a rando over here. Uh, so Austin replies, he said, my guess is he's just a one night kind of guy. And so I was like, oh, the plot thickens. Okay, we're getting more of the story here. Um, So then uh, the next day he texts me again. He says, effing sucks with five S's. Ran into him today and he is indeed a dick. (laughs) And so at this point I'm like, okay, I'll bite. Let's, let's go for it. You know, let's, let's see, let's start a conversation. Um, or keep the conversation going. So I said, OMG, the nerve. He should have been mortified. Because, like, yeah, okay, this dude, Nick, should have totally been mortified. Okay, I need to interrupt the story and say I'm already exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but also remember, this is happening over the course of a few days. So okay. every, like, but but also it feels like it's ended several times by now. And, and so, uh, yeah, I say he should have been mortified for giving, like, a one night stand, like an absolute wrong number. Mm-hmm. Um, just say, no, it was a one. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the protocol is, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, then Austin says, I don't get why people have to be like that. So I send like the angry snorting face emoji. And I said, Austin, I hope, I hope you find someone who try, treats you right. Kind of like trying to be Aww. empathetic, but also draw the conversation to a close. He said, as if that'll ever happen. And then I didn't respond to that because I don't really have time. That's to, a therapy session. <laughs> mm. So the next day, <laughs> he texted me again. He said, you're sure you're Ryan? <coughs> Which, what do you say to that? That's an existential question. <laughs> I texted him a picture of myself in the car and I'm holding my work ID <coughs> badge with my photograph on it. I'm covering up my last name with my mm. finger so that you can Good just call. see that it says Ryan. Um, and I sent him that picture and I said, regret to inform you, which I was like, I don't like, I don't have, I don't feel a responsibility to prove anything to this guy. Like I don't have a responsibility to like make him feel okay about this situation or whatever. Even like he's holding out this hope that I might still be Nick and that he can still keep a, keep an open communication with me. Um, but I was a little in the, you know, yellow kind of mode. Mm. Like I want to be the kind of person who's open to conversations with strangers, even though like I didn't love it. And at this point I'm a little exhausted, mm-hmm. like Tom said. Uh, so he responds and said, the next day he responds and says, no, two days later he responds and said, uh, yeah, you're definitely not Nick. Damn dude, those eyes though. Okay. Wow. So this is the point where we pause and I get your advice. <laughs> My advice is you don't respond to the very first text. I have all, yeah, I get random, rando texts all the time, rando phone calls all the time. Let it, let it, I have too much to keep oh, in track of my life. No, like rando phone calls go to voicemail and most of the time it's justified because it's a robo caller, but, um, but this was not, a but robot. I get, I get Nick texts all, or what's this guy's name? Austin. I get Austin texts all the time and I just do not like respond. Like the, Hey, what's oh, up? Yeah. Just like random. All you. the time. 
And I really? do not. I, I never wow. do. I don't so maybe this was yeah. a novelty for you. So I can understand like, ooh, this is fun and different. <laughs> for me, it happens yeah. like every other month. Like I get them all the time. So I can't, I just don't engage. Because it's like, I could, I could have, if I'm feeling like f- fun, I could be like, hey, I could like make up an elaborate story about who I am or something and just have fun with it. My advice would have been to act absolutely either pretend to be Nick or pretend ooh. to be like one of Nick's best best friends and then just keep it see see how long that you can drag that sucker out yeah that sounds mean <laughs> yep <laughs> sure yeah, is yeah, yeah okay so you have two very okay, well, y'all very useless. valid options right there one i'm glad i didn't wait for your advice one <laughs> say nothing at all two make up a story and roll pretend with it. Yeah. yep okay well i'm a little deflated now but i'll just tell you oh why <laughs> So I'm in this position where I'm like, I feel a little responsibility to this person as like, as someone who wants to follow Jesus and do what Jesus would do in this situation. But at the same time, I'm not trying to lead him on and make him think that I'm interested in Mm -hmm. like, uh, any sort of romance, especially long distance romance with somebody like a stranger in in possibly St. Louis. Cause I wasn't sure if he was still in St. Louis. Right. Um, but I didn't want to like just block him at this point or, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I didn't know how to respond to that for a while. So the next day after me not responding, he, he says my apologies. And I said, um, oh, I meant to say thank you, but my day got away from me. It's like, okay, thanks for the compliment, sure. Um, and then we get to talking more. I found out um, we just have, like, surface-level small talk about uh, vague details about where we live and what we do for a living. Um, and then... Um, and then over time, like, I, I realize every time, every time I get a text message from him, like, I get this anxiety of, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to handle this. Um, and I took longer and longer to respond. And he's, like, showing some sensitivity to, like, me taking a long time to respond till um, finally I realized, okay, this guy is a little needy for uh, a rando stranger who accidentally texted me um and i have other stuff going on in my life and i can't like this isn't fair to my other long distance friends who i have just you know like i only have so much bandwidth yeah for long so this is why you've been so distant lately because you're yucking it up with uh, austin and yeah. st louis for the last <laughs> month because of my my rando you've got mail fling anyway so so I regret to share that Austin and I broke up. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. But this is a very sensitive situation. It's not. Uh, it's not too late for you to say, "Hey, this is actually Nick." I just looked up that picture of, <laughs> of Ryan online. You could resuscitate this in a heartbeat. What 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 we has what we had was magical, and I'm ready to start anew. <laughs> Ryan, you don't just, listen to Jacob. You see my face right XO, now. XO, XO, XO. Don't listen to Jacob, Ryan. <laughs> what? Ryan. Are you possessed by Satan right now? <laughs> this is a Christian podcast, Jacob. 
I'm just kidding. Yeah. Anyway, I said, uh, hey, dude, didn't want to ghost you, but I've been going through some stuff and I don't have it in me to start a new long distance friendship with a stranger. Unfortunately, I'm not a person with a lot of social bandwidth to begin with. I have to focus on local stuff. I wish you the best, Austin. And then I blocked him. Good call. Good call. So, yeah. Uh, so that's that's the resolution. Um, it was it was an interesting experience. I feel like this story is going to be very relevant to people because people, I know I'm not alone. People get rando texts like this all the time. It may be new for you guys, but this is a thing that happens. And I, my advice is just don't engage. And it's not to be a heartless person, but it just... For someone like me, yeah, with low social bandwidth, I'm just I just don't have the time to engage in this. That's that's my cruel but also taking care of myself <laughs> solution. I guess I just wanted to be open to the spontaneous, you know? That's admirable. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my um that's my sharing. What was the what was the, the shameless share? The shameless sharing. Shameless yeah. share. That was great. Here's to you, Austin, wherever you are. If you're listening, well, first of all, I hope you're not because it's a super. Ooh, awkward. let's get Austin um, on the show. But if <laughs> yeah, you're so listening, what, uh, shout out to Austin. <laughs> what happens when Austin becomes a yabber? Is mm. that going to be weird? It will I guess be. not because like it's not like anything weird happened, so that it wouldn't be like it would that wouldn't be odd. I feel like I made a an implicit promise to someone and then I couldn't keep follow through with it. <laughs> I hear you, Ryan. You have a good heart. Much better than Jacob's or mine. <laughs> so, so, so true. All right, Jacob, what share do you have to shamelessly share with us? Yes. So I, I feel like when you chose the name of the segment, you actually knew what I was going to share because it's fairly shameful. Um, I would like to talk about sleepwalking. And I would like to intro that by sharing a little tale. This is actually breaking news because this just happened last night. Um, So to give a little bit of context to have this make sense, in my room I have a large windowsill in which I keep plants. I love, love plants. My home is filled with them. One of my favorite plants is that I have an orchid that I've had for probably two plus years that I am proud to say that I've gotten it to bloom three or four times. So I love this orchid like a child or like a pet. I should say pet. It's not a child. (laughs) Um, So that is over by my bed. So last night, a part of my dream, at some point I thought that someone was going to come into my room and attack me. And I remember kind of like sitting up, my heart pounding, I'm sweating, thinking that someone's going to come and attack me. I reach over, I grab the orchid. It's got two wooden wooden stakes in it that you use to hold up the orchid as it's growing. I yank those out along with the actual orchid stem and flowers itself, and I'm ready to defend against the oncoming assailant. With an with orchid. An, with Orchid sticks and orchid, f- orchid flowers hanging With from, precious from my orchid. hand. It's in that moment <laughs> that I sort of actually fully wake up and realize what I have just done. And I get very sad because I just ripped my orchid to pieces <laughs> to defend against nothing. <laughs> um, also, some of you may be wondering, why is it that upon pending threat of physical harm why do i immediately go towards tiny sticks that are next to me in my defense 
a part of the dream had something to do with the fact that these sticks had become imbued with great power. <laughs> so in in my <laughs> mind, course. I was I was going for the best weapon that I had at hand. And so yeah, so I woke up uh, in that moment feeling very ashamed and and sad. So my um, question to pose to you guys, or yeah, is that do you have any sleep walking stories of either your own or friends hold and on, family? Hold on. You cannot yes. just like pass this off to oh, us without us now responding to Please this elaborate, respond. crazy <laughs> story. So wait, you literally woke up standing up holding your crippled orchid is this is this what happened i was actually so i don't know why but i like i got out of bed to get the orchid but then i brought it back into bed with with me so i actually woke up like sitting up in bed holding the pot in my <laughs> left hand and holding the sticks and the or- the actual orchid flower in my right hand were you like covered in dirt or something like what no I'm i managed to, get a to yeah so um I didn't actually like pull the plant out of the pot. I just pulled off the the leaves, the actual the like flowered part, the like stem and the sticks. So like I wasn't dirty. I just happened to have half of it in one hand and half of it in the <laughs> other hand. Poised that orchid and ready just, to strike. That orchid was just sitting in the window enjoying its night's rest when and all of a sudden this monster it. came and just ripped its head off. Yeah. Like, yeah, what yeah. The... Yep. So Oh, my condolences. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we get the video footage, um, Alexa? Show us the that video footage awesome. from that night. Yeah, I do have a, I mean, I took a picture of, of the aftermath of what I did to my orchid, but alas, I have I have no video to please, show. Please show okay. us that. Please share the photo with us, and we can share that on the website for all Lovely. to see. That would enjoy. be perfect. <laughs> if this is what you do to your plants in your sleep, maybe don't get a pet. Yeah, right? <laughs> Or I mean, like, I'm a bit like yeah, anybody this. Uh, so my I t- I told all this to my family and my mom, who is planning on visiting me soon, said something like, uh, maybe I shouldn't come anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently <laughs> Let's I'm you scaring work this people out. off from you need to work to this out me. first. Once you finish like working this out in your life, then then you're safe. Well, I don't think that's going to happen because it's I've done other things, too this is not the first the first time and it's kind of g- genetic because my dad has, has done similar worse things <laughs> so it's not similar really gonna go away thing. did he so like he's, snap okay. the neck of the dog or no, what what did um, he do he actually oh poor dad um he actually thought that the house was on fire and jumped out the window <laughs> <laughs> And woke up on the cold, wet grass outside, having blown himself through the window. (laughs) Yep. Where's dad? (laughs) He jumped out the window. Yep. (laughs) In a blaze of glory. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So he is like, he's like, yeah, so he thinks that his room is on fire and he tries to like wake up and save my mom like come on come on she's like no go sleep <laughs> stop it and so he leaves her behind <laughs> and busts out the window oh, uh, oh my gosh wow so this is really genetic yeah yeah so this I'm, is the first time it's ever happened to you no or have you not no, at all <laughs> oh you've you've slept walked in the past oh yeah i've had i've had times there was like there have been many times that i think that like something urgent is happening and i leap out of bed and i run out of 
my room. One time I started putting on clothing in from my closet quickly and about to run out the door. Um, yeah, so this is, this is not new wow. for me, but this is the first time that I feel like I've, this is the first time that I've hurt something or broken something that had value to me. So that's why it felt, it's felt mm-hmm. more, uh, more horrible mm. because Keyword I murdered f- my orchid. The first time. Yes. So it's probably just going to get worse as I get older. So mm-hmm. no one's ever going to come visit me. No one's going to ever want to live with me because I'm now dangerous. If you're a flower. Yeah. I'm going to have to follow your mother's lead <laughs> here and cancel my next visit for that's next fair. January. No, yeah. That makes sense. I'm, I'm not much of a sleepwalker. I'm a pretty sound sleeper, I think. But in college, when I was sharing a room with my friend Micah, I went through a phase where, uh, where I would be sleeping, lying on my back, and I was sort of like dry wash my hands, <laughs> oh. like fully extended <laughs> out in front of me while laying on my back. And I just do that for like, I, I don't know how long, just like probably tens of minutes at a time. Wow. And I remember like in my sleep, in my dream, being like this feels so good and it just felt so good it was like so satisfying <laughs> to do this and that's why I kept doing it and uh and Micah said it freaked him out a few times to like he'd be staying up late playing a video game or something he'd look over and there I am like <laughs> dry washing my hands like in, in bed yeah that would that would be a pretty creepy sight to see you like rubbing your hands together all right moving on with the rest of the show Um, I wanted to give a little nod to our social media. If you guys are not already following us on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you can follow us at your other bros. And the reason I bring this up, because (laughs) I just need to address this. For some reason on Facebook over the last month, we have like exploded and had over well over a hundred new likes to our page. And I don't know why. I don't know (laughs) where they all came from, but it was like, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And we went from having something like 480 likes on Facebook, and now we're well over 600 likes on Facebook. And that's, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm grateful. I think it's awesome that for some reason our population just like went up by 20% in the span of 30 days. And we've been around for almost four years now. But I am i just don't know why. I can't trace it. I don't know, like, did someone share us somewhere and tell all their friends or... Or did someone like take out a billboard somewhere in Montana and now people are just like adding <laughs> us doing it. by the dozens? Like, I, I don't know what's happening. But to everyone that's new, I, we have gotten a lot of new uh, contacts lately. So I say hello and welcome. But also, how did you find us? How did you get here? I would like to know. Um, but there's a little mystery, a fun mystery in the not knowing as well. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Hello to the hundred plus of you who found us on Facebook and may or may not be listening to this episode now. So I think that one of those new likes is actually me because I realized that I had <laughs> forgotten to like the page all this Jacob. time. Jacob. <laughs> so, uh, yep. You can, a you big can welcome to one, Jacob. One off. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. Big <laughs> shout out to Jacob. He's he's a faithful, <laughs> faithful listener of the show. Thanks for supporting us on Facebook. You're welcome. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's now time to read our our next iTunes review. And this is also a bit of a sad goodbye to iTunes for it no longer is with us. Goodbye, 
iTunes. Jacob, you wouldn't know because you're not in the Apple verse. What, what happened to iTunes? iTunes is no more. It's um, I'm not sure what it is now. I'm just I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the terms and what where people are sending these reviews now. It's it's a mystery to me. I bet Ryan knows. Ryan, you know Apple Apple things that are happening in the the no. I knew I knew iTunes was going away, and now it's just Apple Music, and then I guess Apple Podcasts is where the podcasts live. Mm. So however this person left a review, whatever, it used to be iTunes. I'm not sure what it's called now, but thank you, dear listener, for uh, submitting this five-star review. Oh, I love this review because there's so much, there's so many layers to it and mystery to it. And so I want to read it as it unfolds. So starting from the beginning, it says it's an amazing resource. That's the subject, amazing resource. And the username is nicknames87, nicknames87. (gasps) It's It's Nick. So here we go. This has been the best resource I have found in my experience with SSA. It is really hard to navigate through all this mess all on my own. But Yab has given me an opportunity to learn from them and feel less alone in my journey. So many topics which I have been so confused about, they have provided me with clarity. It seems like everybody in the world has an opinion about this topic, but nobody's actually providing a way for us to live it out. The world will give you arguments and apologetics, Yab provides people and real life experiences. Okay, so to this point, really flattering, encouraging, awesome reviews so Mm -hmm. far. Really grateful. And then it keeps going. A couple more lines. I have one major complaint about the show. Uh oh. (laughs) It needs women. We experience this too, not just men. So, plot twist. Plot twist. Nick is a woman. (laughs) Nice. Oh, that's good. I, I love a good plot twist. My because assumptions are exposed. <laughs> I read this, and it's clear looking back on it, it's like nickname, like nicknames. It doesn't have to be Nick space names, but like nicknames, 87. So nicknames is indeed a female based on the closing lines of this review. And most of them prefer women. <laughs> so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for a woman's perspective and the fact that a woman can enjoy our blogs, enjoy our podcasts, and still be blessed and find encouragement and hope for the journey. Um, but yeah, then like, I don't know, I don't know what to do at the end. Like I personally would love to have women at least show up on the show. And we've had one, a grand total of one woman come on the show in 50 plus episodes. So our ratio is not that great, but maybe that will soon change. You know, I mean, it is your other brothers. And so I feel like there's always going to be more of a masculine like presence here, but I also want women to feel included in the conversation too and we we have tossed around the idea of some potential uh female guests so that could be for a future time to have some some ladies come on the show yes question it is it is (laughs) now thrown into the yob ether like we will we will be looking at potentially getting a woman on the show soon that would be that would be fun i would enjoy that um, also I wanted to make a big note, big shout out, but we recently celebrated our three year anniversary of being on Patreon, which is a huge number. Like some Patreons just fizzle out. They don't have the stamina and for a reason, it's just like a short window, a short season. So yeah, three plus years of Patreon, which is how Yob still exists after all these years, making everything happen. I'm so grateful for the 160 plus Yobbers who support Yob on a monthly basis. Thank you guys. Um, We recently did a Zoom room. We do these regular Zoom rooms, um, which is a group video call with a bunch of our bloggers and our our supporters, our pledgers. 
And uh, we do, we've been doing these once a month, like from the inception, since we started, since we started up Patreon, basically, like from the very first month, we started doing these Zoom rooms. And there were times where we'd have like five people show up and then only one person would show up and maybe five, three or four would show up. Um, but the other time we, we, we just recently did a Zoom room, we had 13 people from all over the world show up, including like across the ocean in the UK. And it was just super encouraging to be able to have that many people in one place together. And we're actually looking to be doing Zoom rooms, those, those group video calls more often um, moving forward. And because they're just such great opportunities to connect with one another and, and get to be silly and like introduce each other and check in about our weeks, but then also dive into some serious discussions and have some really great conversations. So big shout out to everyone who comes on Zoom and continues to support Yab on Patreon. And as always, if you want to support this effort, you can go to patreon.com slash your other bros. All the information is there. Do we have a sponsor today? Why, yes, Jacob, we do. We do have a sponsor today. And because we were talking about chosen family in this episode, um, it's natural. This is just a natural conclusion that our sponsor today are escape rooms because <gasps> families that escape together stay together. Aww. And isn't that, haven't you found that to be true, Jacob? And if they don't escape, then they're together in a small room forever, which is also intimate. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And because you chose that, you're not only choosing your family, you're also choosing your death sentence. Yes. Together. Yes. So it's a really beautiful poetic thing. So thank you, Escape Rooms, for bringing joy and energy, um, confusion, anger, puzzlement, <laughs> And ultimately, a sense of togetherness that mm-hmm. really sums up what a chosen family is all about. So as I said earlier in the program, this was a topic chosen by our yobbers, which uh, I'm excited and delighted that they chose. I was not expecting them to choose this, and they did. And uh, for those that aren't familiar, chosen family, is this a term that y'all, I want to start off right off the bat and just get gauge the room, like... How familiar are you with this term, where it comes from, kind of its like um, intonations and just its history and how it, how it has or hasn't related to your life? Is this a term that you've come to much in your journey or no? So this is a term that I was only introduced to probably in the past couple of years. And so one one reasons why I'm jazzed about talking about it is that it's something that I've like heard pieces of and I'm really excited to learn more about like what exactly it means, how it looks in, in each of our lives, because I, I know that it's something that's been a part of my experience, but I don't think that I've had this label to actually put on it. Um, and so it was probably through the first or second revoice conference that I first like heard this term in, in connection to the LGBT community, um, as being something that is, um, I guess like one of the core tenets or pillars or something that's that's very important in that conversation. Yeah, similarly, I I feel like it's been part of my experience for a while or at least part of like my heart for my relationships for a long time. And so when I first heard this term, which I don't remember when it was, but it no one needed to explain to me what, what this was or what it meant. It automatically kind of clicked in my head and like, oh, I know what this is talking about because I have experienced this or wanted this with certain people. And so it's a very intuitive 
term for me. I today have sort of a mixed disposition toward it, which I hope to explain more later. Um, but I think that in general, it's a great thing to talk about. And I think that our communities and our churches can learn a lot from the uh, LGBT plus community about about family and what it means to build a family. Yeah. Because um, I, I wanted to put that out there because it's not a term, maybe a lot of people within Christianity don't really know the term or know the the background of it. Even in the group, I remember we posted um, that this was one of our options for a podcast and one of our yabbers posted a comment saying, what is that? What's chosen family? And um, so it's not, it's, it's something that's becoming more of a common term, I guess, but still not something that I guess everybody is, is familiar with, but similar to you guys, like it is kind of this intuitive thing that maybe I've been wanting my entire life. And now there's kind of like sort of a language to it. Cause I actually, I think I've, I mean, I, I know I must've heard this term for years and years and years growing up, but um, I actually, it, the most recent like reference to it that I can remember was I was actually watching a Queer Eye episode. And so the five guys who were on the show, they made a reference to Chosen Family when they were talking, because I think they were helping, in that particular episode, they were helping an LGBT person, you know, making over their their house and their body and their clothing and wardrobe and all that stuff. So so they used the phrase Chosen Family about just like this sense of camaraderie and banding together and having like a similar shared experience. Um, and kind of just like treating treating each other like family. I was doing a little research for this topic and coming across uh, some interesting other terminologies because there's other other um, organizations that do this. Like typically chosen family, you hear that a lot in LGBT plus circles. Um, but something else is that's really cool is that in 12-step communities, there's something called family of origin or family of choice and contrasting those. And, and I've been to 12-step meetings. I've been to AA and NA meetings when I was working at a school um, for kids that, that had drug and alcohol addictions. And, and I would sit in on these meetings and I've gone to 12-step meetings for other things myself. And, and there's just like a, a powerful bond that you have like these people, again, with a shared life experience, a shared struggle, a shared um, place in life. And they're rallying together, they're banding together and they're leaning on each other. And it's not the family that they were born into, but it's kind of like this new family that they're choosing, a group of people that they're opting to connect with on a regular basis like that. Um, and so I thought that was cool just to see a little bit of a parallel with, uh, with that community as well. So there've been all kinds of like polls and research done on the LGBT community, on family upbringings. And I think that would help to give some context to this term, this term of chosen family and where it came from and how it came to be. Um, and we'll post a link to these polls if y'all are interested in checking them out. But, um, Pew, Pew Research did a, I wasn't making a laser sound there. Pew, Pew. <laughs> I'm, I'm naming the name of the research center. So Pew Research Center, um, they came up with a, this number that 39% of LGBTQ adults have experienced rejection from a family member or friends, um, which is a big number. That's like nearly half. And then there's another stat that says 40% of homeless youth identify um, as LGBT, which is crazy. So that gives you a little bit of a context, I guess, that a lot of LGBT youth come from a lot of times, a lot of a hard, hard family dynamic, um, which makes the option of choosing a family a very attractive one. Here's some other stats just about like households and families that I found really interesting. And this is from a betterbalance.org. 80%, this is shocking to me, y'all. 80% of households in the US do not fit the nuclear, nuclear, family model of a married mom, dad, and their children. 
80%. So that means there's just like increasing diversity in what a home, quote unquote, looks like in America today. And here's a big one. 42% of LGBTQ adults between the ages of 45 and 64 said that they would depend on close friends in an emergency compared to 25% of the general population. So it's being very clear, like the older you get, if you don't have that foundation, that bedrock of a strong family of origin, a, f- a strong blood family, that you're really relying on people that aren't related to you by blood, that that is an increasing tendency. And I imagine that number is only going to skyrocket in the next decades to come amongst the LGBT community. So that's a little bit of a background of, yeah, people who grow up gay or have same-sex attraction and they have a hard family dynamic, it makes it tricky then as you grow up, as you navigate adulthood, and especially when you, th- when you talk about that age bracket of 45 to 64 and you start thinking about medical issues and you start thinking about like, oh gosh, who am I going to call? Who am I going to rely on? Who's going to help me if I need help? All of a sudden it really brings us home, especially I'm, so I'm 32. Ryan, you're 32 as well, right? And Jacob's like 12. I'm just a baby. <laughs> Jacob's, Jacob's still in his twenties, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I know it's something that I'm not like necessarily, it's not at the forefront of my brain. I wouldn't say I'm waking up every day thinking about, oh gosh, when I'm 68 and you know, I have a stroke and I have a heart attack, what, who's going to take care of me? I'm not thinking about that right now, but I could see that being a thought that becomes a little more to the forefront in the next, let's say decade, decade and a half. Like that could be, yeah, something, or even as we're talking about it tonight, maybe by the end of the night, this is now a thing that I'm like <laughs> fixated on. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about uh, about any of those numbers or about just that concept, I guess, of of growing older and figuring out who you lean on? Yeah, this this brings me to a quote that I pulled to share um, during this conversation that's pretty related. It comes from an author named Mara Ryan, and she wrote this piece for Slate, um, just talking about the uh, the social importance of the queer potluck. And so uh, the kind of cultural phenomenon of um, people in the queer community just getting together for a potluck every week. And she describes what goes on there, what it's like, the different people, why it's important to different people and why why food specifically is important there. Um, But toward the end, she discusses this idea of chosen family. Um, And she says, for all of us, for different reasons, home is a nebulous place. Kath Weston's renowned work, Families We Choose, paints a picture of why queer people build, quote, fictive kin networks. The simple answer, because we have to. Historically, being queer meant your family of origin threw you away. Today, too many of us still have the same experience. When our families do accept us, even in the most loving ways, we feel lucky because we know it could be different. Perhaps we search for a family within a group who don't make us feel lucky to be loved. And I thought that was an interesting perspective that maybe helps me understand, like even even coming from a very supportive background, there is um, like there's the chosenness of it that makes that makes us feel like we belong, makes us feel wanted. Um, you know, like my parents, my parents loved me very much, but they didn't exactly pick me. You know. Um, and I, and I have no doubt that, like, having raised me, they would pick me to raise again. But, like, there's, there is that kind of, that element of choice that is a real blessing as, as kind of an aspect of that. Yeah. Life. 
Yeah, and I feel like we all grew up in pretty good, I mean, I don't want to speak for y'all's family upbringings, but from what I've gathered, it seems like we all had pretty good, comparatively speaking, really good um, family upbringings compared to a lot of other people, a lot of other men and women, boys and girls in our in our situations. And, um, but it's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting concept of this fact that like on the one hand, your parents don't have to love you, but if they're good parents, if they're decent people, then they have to love you. Right. And versus friendships. And especially if you're going to use, if you're going to throw around terms like family, chosen family, equating these people with, uh, with the people that you came from, the blood that you came from, like that's, that's a big deal to be able to choose that and to live that out in supporting one another and loving one another. I think uh, a piece that I've come to realize is that this concept of chosen family, as I think about, as you had said, when thinking about the future of getting older and probably not having children, probably not having the kind of uh, bio biologically related family that um, a lot of people will have. I've come to think of this as being not like an optional thing that like, Oh, it'd be nice to have, but something that even now in my late twenties, when I think about the future and getting older and like, who's, who's going to be there for me. It's like something that, that is very necessary, I think for my own flourishing. And I think that whether or not um, this concept of chosen family is important because your your own um, sorry what was the the term for your for the family that you're born into that that had a nice phrase to it that I'm just blanking on <laughs> family of origin family of origin whether they've like rejected you or not for a lot of people in our position and who are looking at singleness as the long-term venture it's something that's that's really important for us and even like that's even how i when i think about the friendships that i'm uh forming for instance in my local church like the the idea of these people becoming family for me is huge and something that i um that i talk about openly with with them of like having people that I um, feel like are a part of my family now. Yeah. And I, I was joking about it earlier, like that this isn't something that I've thought about. Um, and I think as I've been like preparing for this podcast and thinking about it, it kind of has given me a new perspective that I'm grateful for because truthfully, the reason I haven't thought about what do I do when I'm 65 and who's going to be there for me Um it's a blessing because I, I do have a good family and I do have a brother and a sister and I do have, um, I do have like a, at least a, a baseline network of people that I know if in a worst case scenario, if like the worst befell me, like assuming that they're still around when I'm still around, like there's a, uh, like, I, I don't necessarily worry about that, that I know that I have the, the family of origin, I, you know, is going to be there for me, but it's this topic and this, uh, as I've been like thinking about it and then going into it, it's just, uh, it brings to the surface the fact that, yeah, I, a lot of times see the world through my, this isn't to say like I, that I don't have struggles and I don't have things that I have going against me, but man, I have a lot going for me as well. And it's really given me a renewed appreciation for my family of origin. Um, because legitimately there are people like we have, we have, uh, only children in our community, only childs, 
only childs in our community. And I can imagine that if I didn't have a brother or sister, this would be a bigger deal. Like, cause you know, more than likely your, your parents are going to go before you do. And, uh, having a brother and a sister kind of feels like, okay, I have, I have some backup. I have some support that I'm not going to be, um, totally left out to dry when I'm, when I'm an older person, but I can only imagine for, for only child's, um, only child's listening. I know there's so many of them listening right now, that that's not, that comfort isn't there. That assurance isn't there. And so, um, that's giving me a new perspective on, on this whole concept. Cause I've heard about this for years now and it's just never really clicked with me. I've heard about people saying that they're thinking about it. They're thinking about getting older and who's going to be there for them. And I've just never understood that. And to, to an extent, I can't fully understand that now because, um, because I do have a chosen family or I do have a family of origin rather that's a pretty phenomenal one. And so, um, I'm trying to like, yeah, see the world through other people's eyes through this, through this topic, through this conversation, because I know it doesn't, that doesn't come nearly as easily to other people. And it gives me a whole new, like appreciation for people who are choosing this life, choosing to, to live celibately, choosing to, uh, to follow this traditional sexual ethic. It gives me a whole new appreciation for them. If they are really, relying on, relying on, uh, on Jesus with more faith than, than probably I have to just practically. Yeah. So here's a question for you guys. If, if we're saying family doesn't need to just be defined by that family of origin or by genes or biology, that we can have a more expansive definition of family than that, then what, is our definition of family. Like, how would we define that? Ooh. What does it mean to be family <laughs> with somebody? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think the, one of the first thing that comes to mind is that there is a, there's a place in the gospels where Peter, I think makes a comment to Jesus about how they have left everything to follow him and Jesus responds to him by, by like saying that like not like not one of you have left fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and lands and homes that you will not receive a hundredfold of brothers and mothers and sisters and lands and homes in this age and in, and in the age to come. And so I think that I I don't think like there's a there's a part of me that feels like this is the Christianese answer that like our brothers and sisters in Christ, like those, like that, that being how we define family as, as believers is that connection that, that we have because of Jesus. Um, and I think, I mean, like, but I think that's, that is actually true. And I think that when it actually, cause that's, I mean, that's kind of like a, a vague, idea um but i think if you in like the practical everyday life i th- i really think like being connected to a local body of of believers t- typically like through a church that the that the circle of people in that group that you form the most intimate connections with that those become family um i think that i'm not sure I think that what you're probably asking more maybe is like, how do we like, at what point does like someone become a part of your family? Like what 
criteria have have to be met for it to be like, hey, like you've baked me cookies. You are now mama or like. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. I'm not looking for like a specific. Sure. So how, of how like, or service, yeah, no, but, no, but like, sense. but like your comment about, um, like once you become intimate enough with somebody, yeah. then their family is revealing. And so you def- do you define family as people who you're intimate with? So, like, do, so does, does, do you have to be intimate with someone for them to be family? I mean, I think that, I think that as, as I had said, I think that just being a fellow, a fellow follower of Jesus, like makes you a part of, of the family of God, which has a, like a obviously like really broad implications but you don't really, I don't know if you don't really have the same kind of feeling of closeness with millions of people at the same time. So I think how, how I would like actually for the people that I would, I would use the language of like, you feel like you're a part of my family or I'm a part of your family. I, I do think has some level of intimacy and closeness that I think that I would, I would probably, if, if I were going to like define at what point it becomes that I think that when you're it's when the like everyday parts of life the mundane the um when those things become uh, merged or like blended with other people's everyday lives and mundane um that for me is when it feels like it becomes family like for instance like when when people like I have friends here that when they come spend time at my place, like they, um, they're helping me wash dishes. They know where everything goes. They're, they're putting things away. They're comfortable coming over and just spending time while I'm doing laundry. So things that, um, and see, like also as I'm thinking this, I've, I realized that I'm, I'm taking what I have experienced in the family that I was raised in those kind of like how it was like to interact with my parents and with my siblings. And when those interactions in some form and that kind of closeness that I've experienced, once that's shared with uh, people outside of that group on the regular, that's when I would say it feels like they are that we're in the same family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting. That's helpful. I think one thing I'm trying to, one of the few things I'm trying to get at with this definition is that like, I think colloquially we sort of, uh, conflate or intermingle the ideas of family and friendship, you know, like, well, well, colloquially, even outside of the Yob community, we'll say stuff like, Oh yeah, he's like a brother to me or like, we're, we're like brothers or, um, or like a family when really what they mean is that they're close friends. But I think that like when you get down to it, they are kind of two different, two different things, two different categories, two different phenomena. So what from, from your point of view with, with that being the case, when does a close friend become a member of your family? I think yeah, so when I was thinking about how I would answer this question, I think what I came to is that, like, first of all, I think that a lot of the physical, temporal things that we see in our lives and our world 
are kind of pointers to spiritual realities behind them. So like marriage is a pointer to the spiritual reality of Christ and the church, Christ's relationship with the church and the sacrificial system of the old Testament was a pointer to the transcendent spiritual reality of Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. And so I asked myself, is there like, like, like biological family, material family, is that a pointer? Is that a temporal pointer to some spiritual reality? And I think it is. I think it's a pointer to spiritual family, which doesn't really answer the question of what is family. It just gives us kind of a, a, it, it sort of shows that our common understanding of family maybe is really more of a metaphor for something more real that we don't really have a good way of describing or explaining. Um, but maybe the best that, that I could do is saying family is kind of the people, people who, uh, are coming from the same place as you and are going to the same place as you. Um, and maybe even like are, are sort of like made of the same stuff as you in some sense. And so like I, like a close friend, if they're not, if they're not going to, if they're not from the same place as me or going to the same place as me, like I could be tight friends with them right here and right now, but like, I wouldn't really consider them family because we're not going to, we're not on the same trajectory. Yeah. yeah. At, this, at, at this point, like one of the, one of the biggest compliments that I'm able to give a person is to say to them that, that they feel like home. And I have a, a whole list of things of what that means to me of what's all like packed into that. And I think it's when it's when that's true, that's when they also, they feel like family. And like you said, you, I, I have, I have friends that I would, I would say that I'm close to that I would differentiate um, and I think that, I think that goes back to like, there's, um, there are levels and thresholds of intimacy that at some point it becomes familial. And I'm going to guess that that's probably different from person to person of when that actually feels like someone is becoming like family. That's a really good point though. I think there is like this strong sense of home to family, um, whether it's physical home or sort of spiritual home or relational home, like it's sort of where you, I think it's, yeah, it's like where you, it's rest, where, where you belong. Again, I'm, I'm, it's cliche for me to say this because I wrote a post with this title, but it's the people where you feel fully known and fully loved by where you can be entirely you and you are received for being genuinely you. Yeah. That's good stuff, y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying listening to you. I'll go back and forth. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just watching watching my brothers have a conversation. <laughs> um, I like, when I think about family and I think about chosen family and I think about what is family, um, I actually didn't even think about this story going into tonight, but looking back, so looking into scripture, the story that just starts immediately coming to mind is when Jesus is on the cross and when he talks to John and Mary, his mother, at the base of the cross. And like 
you know, I'm not some kind of historical expert. I don't know like everything about Jewish culture at the time, but from what I understand, it's like a very family oriented culture. Uh, and so to have a man tell his best friend, a good friend, whatever you want to call John, to tell him that this is now your mother and to tell his mother, this is now your son, um, is such a cool, I see as a cool foreshadowing of just like how family, this concept of family gets turned on its head right there at the cross that all of a sudden like blood related is not relevant anymore. Like we are family on a whole new level, um, post, post crucifixion, post resurrection. And I love that scene so much. And I, it's, it's an emotional one. It's uh, it's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture of, of that interaction amongst the three of them. And I've always wanted to know like, what are, what's the, cause we never get the reaction. We never get like, like, what does John say to that? What is, what does Mary say to that? What is, how do they respond to each other? What's their relationship look like after Jesus is gone? Like how many times does John come over to Mary's house or, or like, what is, yeah, just like, what does that look like moving forward? I wish, I wish there was more, uh, more laid out there, but it's fun to think about. And when I consider family, that's kind of what I, when I think about like a family beyond my family of origin, beyond my mom and my dad, my brother and my sister, and, and now like a, a brother-in-law and a niece and who knows what other future immediate family members are coming. But, uh, but yeah, I think about that as kind of the bigger picture of what, what, uh, the longer lasting family is going to look like, what it's going to be. Yeah. Like that is something that I love about Jesus and that I frequently like just praise him for. It's just that he is the one who establishes those kinship bonds that he, he has that authority and that power to establish kinship and that those bonds formed by his blood run deeper than human blood. Um, and he's always, or he several, many times in scripture, he's sort of like, yeah, turning, turning that on its head, like you said, Tom. So Matthew 12, Mark 3, and Luke 8, kind of all the same the same narrative. Um, you know, Jesus' mother and brothers come looking for him, and, um, and they tell Jesus, hey, your mother and brothers are here. And he said, uh, who are my mother and brothers? These are my mother and brothers, gesturing toward, you know, the, his disciples. And he says, whoever, whoever follows me and does my will are my mother and brothers. And then in um, Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18, um, Jesus, it's it's kind of, I, I, I think it's a similar passage to what you mentioned, Jacob, but I'm not sure if it's quite the same one, but Jesus kind of affirms that, yeah, some of you, his disciples, will leave your family um, for, for Jesus's sake, and that um, and then that's a thing that you might be called to do as a follower of Jesus. And then in Matthew 10 and Luke 14, um, and this for the longest time was such a confusing passage to me. He says, for I have come to set a, to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And I think as I, as I kind of understand the context more and just understand his, Jesus's mission and his heart and also our modern culture more, I see that this is him really like in combined with these other passages, like he's just trying to like, 
shock these people out of their kind of deeply ingrained mindset that that blood and lineage and family of origin is as deeply as important as they think it is. Like he needs them to see. This would be like him coming today and saying like, basically railing against the idolatry of marriage and just saying like, no, like you need to love me more than you love your husband or than your wife. Yeah. Yeah. I have come to turn man against his dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Careful with that. Even so. golden retrievers. <laughs> <laughs> even even them. Yeah, yeah. Something that I think that it's important to keep in mind when, when we talk about this is that just the phrase chosen family, I think it kind of, at least for for me, it feels like I think it gives me more credit and more control than is true. Because I think that, mm-hmm. I don't think it's really about the fact that like, oh, I've chosen these awesome people. No, this is, I think every, like, every time it's a gift from God. Like it's an, it's an act of providence to provide people in my life that have become like family to me. And one example that like, that always comes to mind when I first moved to the Fort, Fort Wayne, uh, five and a half years ago, I didn't really know anyone here. And, uh, I started to attend the church that I'm currently a part of. And I got, plugged into a small group where it was me and about eight other couples in their mid fifties. And so (laughs) from anyone like looking at this from the, the outside, I'm sure it was very weird of like, what is this like late 20 something doing with all these folks? Um, and even like from the beginning, like I was, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but it was such a gift because I was in a city where I didn't know anyone it was like I was instantly given all of these aunts and uncles who were like bringing me into their homes and making me feel welcome and making me feel like I was a part of their families individually. But also like that group was very much a family together, which was exactly what I needed. Um, and I just, I've continued to see again and again, God providing family for me as, as much as there have been times that I have like, just really wrestled with not having the kind of uh, uh, quote unquote family that like good Christians are supposed to have with, with a wife and 2.5 kids. Um, but yeah, he's, he's honestly every, every step of the way he has provided those people for me. So I think that um I think that there is this sense of like, yeah, there is a like mutual choosing of one another, but at the end of the day, it's all a gift. Totally. And that was kind of something I alluded to earlier when we were talking is I have mixed feelings about, about the term chosen family. It's because I think, I think if you sling that around a lot, it's sort of tempting to think that in the body of Christ, we get to, choose our family i want you and you yeah, and not yeah. you definitely not you right and you and you and you yeah when really <laughs> like god chooses for us and so in a sense it's a little different from the like secular queer experience of chosen family where you get to choose oh i want to go to this potluck with these people and if i don't like someone or if we don't get along i don't have to keep going um 
like with the body of Christ, if you don't get along, guess what? Like, uh, your point B is sometime in eternity and you're getting there, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like you're, you're working it out one way or another. Eventually it kind of goes, goes back to what you were saying about how the biological family, um, sort of like, used great language that I'm now going to butcher <laughs> how it like points to the the spiritual reality of our family through Christ and I think that like it kind of like all of us have cousins that like we're not really close to and maybe they sort of get on our nerves or we find kind of annoying, but they're, they're still a part of our family. And because of that, we choose to love them. We choose to show patience and grace. And so I think there are also like, while they, while there are people in that you will be given, um, as a part of their chosen family that you might not like have this like super intimate, close relationship, but because of your family status that you have because of Jesus, you're going to choose to love love them the best that you possibly can. You're going to choose to show them grace um, because they they are a part of your family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, and that's a good thing to bring up because I have mixed feelings about. I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't the only one with mixed feelings about this whole chosen family terminology because because um, yeah, I mean for a couple of years, like I tried to basically choose my family and live with my family. And what I learned was that like, if I'm only choosing as people of a certain sexuality and people of a certain persuasion and people of a certain proclivity, like I'm missing out, I'm missing out so much on the diversity of the body. And I'm talking about the spiritual family here, Christian family. Um, so that's women, that's straight people, that's older people, that's married people too, for that matter. And so, so I'm trying to like find some wiggle room. Cause like on the one hand, I, I, I hear, I hear the term, thrown around a lot at like community gatherings like revoice or, or even amongst our own community here in Yab, like people may use chosen family. Um, and I think that's a special thing. It's a special thing when, when you find people that you can connect with and lean on and rely and rely on, um, that also experience like a similar sexuality that you do. Um, but I also don't want to, I don't personally want to miss out on, on that broader scope of family. And so whether, whether it's co-opting a term from the LGBT community or whether it's a whole nother term altogether of this like spiritual kinship, that's something that I want to press more into getting more involved in other circles of the church. And, and, um, obviously being really grateful for the Yab community and the side B community at large, but, but not being content with that. Like I want to continue to press into all the other circles of, of this body and of this thing that's I guess is my family. So I have a question for you, Tom, you, you had mentioned earlier about how the idea of chosen family hasn't always felt like super urgent for you because of, because of coming from a, um, a good other family. Why can I not remember the term for your Family, family of origin. Of origin. Just edit all this. Because you've never been in a 12 step Excellent. Meeting. Yeah. Just uh, just record me saying family of origin and then just shove that into places <laughs> where I forget it. And then it'll. Family of, family of origin. origin. And then, yeah, yeah that'll yeah. fit great. Um, so um, that's like, I, I resonate with that piece. But I also understand that like your 
your family of origin, while it's you probably get to see your family members fairly often, they don't like they aren't like local to where you're li- you're living currently. Like you don't get to see them even once a week. And so I'm curious, like how much that you think about, um, like your desires for your how imp- how important is it to have family geographically close to have them be able to be a part of more of your everyday life yeah i mean it was it's been a huge factor honestly the last couple of years because i don't live you know in the same city as any of my immediate family but i live within 3 hours now of all of them and that was a huge factor actually bringing it back to the beginning of this episode of relocating back to Asheville. Like that was a huge determination and continuing to live here so that I can still be accessible and I'm not going to see them every week. And there might be even a month or two that goes by and I don't see them, but I know that they're really close. I know that they're a quick drive away if I need to see them or if they want to come see me. And, um, and that's like such a blessing to be in a place in my life where I can choose that because I'm in a place where I could choose to live anywhere, you know, doing job full time, I could live in Alaska. I could live in Montana if I wanted to and do job podcasts from Glacier National Park, from Pole Bridge. I could, we could record only during, during power, power hour. hour. <laughs> <laughs> but you and Oliver, but I'm not choosing it that. It would be, it would be beautiful. And I'm sure Oliver and I would have some great times, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel a lot of joy for this season in my life to be able to choose living living in the neighborhood, not in the immediate neighborhood of my family, but living in a regional neighborhood and to be able to have that option close by. But I would love to have a localized iteration of that. And so whether that means one day I wind up moving to a city where all of my family live or, or if in the meantime, I kind of figure out whatever this concept of a chosen family looks like in my immediate vicinity. And so that it's not as urgent, like I could still do that. I could still live in the same city as my my brother and my sister and my parents for that matter. But, um, but you know, how cool would that be to have other people that I can lean on single people, married people, men, women, SSA, gay, straight, young, old, you know, just to have a, an eclectic bunch of folks that, that I would feel confident calling my family and sharing kind of like that extra level of, of life with. That's just that. Yeah. That happens to be a piece that I feel a lot of tension at currently. And I think it's, like I have, I really only have SSA or gay friendships long distance, and so I don't, I don't, I don't have any um, that are geographically close that I get to, that I get to spend time with more than just visiting, and that's something that has felt missing for for many years, and I don't know how much of it is the actual sexuality piece as much as it is like having people who do feel like singleness is the long-term calling which you don't have to be gay to have that be true but to have that be kind of the way that they're orienting their lives and to be able to share like that's a that's it feels like at least in my world a pretty unique thing and so that's always that's a piece of that chosen family that has felt like it's missing to have other people here around me who are, who are, who are seeing the chosen family as essential as, as I feel it, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, if family kind of has a sense of home, then you want them to be to be home. Yeah. Well, and that kind of brings me to a question I wanted to ask you guys, which is, like, when it gets hard, when it feels like this whole spiritual family thing isn't really working out like you want it to, how do you deal with that? I cry a lot. Mm-hmm. Me too. Is that valid? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because relationships are not automatic as much as I want them to be and wish them to be. Relationships take work and they're always dynamic and changing and in flux. And, um, and yeah, honestly, yeah, there have been plenty of times where I'm so overwhelmed. It just feels too daunting to maintain relationships within within this body, within this family, within this uh, within this faith, and to walk this out with them because I've experienced, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of heartbreak and a lot of separation and falling apart. And so it makes it hard to like keep going, but that's where it's like the paradox of it all. It's like, that's where then I'm grateful for the people that are in my life and still continue to choose me as I continue to choose them despite people who have betrayed us or we betrayed them and things have fallen apart and changed. And, um, I don't know, like somehow the wheels just keep going and here we are, like I'm, 32 now and still still leaning on people even though you know I've lost a lot of friends over the years and part of me has wondered like gosh how how do I keep going how do I keep doing this but God is faithful to provide the right people at the right times and and the inevitability of it is like yeah people relationships often are seasonal and you don't it's hard to know from this perspective which ones are gonna be longer term than others but but I have hope that like of a hundred people that I befriend this year or that I'm friends with and connected with this year, like surely one of them, two of them is going to be there for the long haul. If not, if not more, but it gives me hope the ones that have stuck around for years that like, uh, God's faithful. Like he'll, he has provided as, as some fall relationships have fallen away. Like he has provided. And that's something I just have to keep reminding myself as much as it hurts, as much as I've cried, like, God has been faithful and I have to keep reminding myself every day. I feel like you just walked through a Psalm. Like I think that to like hold both of those mm. things of like a Tom, a Tom. Yes. No. To have like, to, <laughs> to have a place for real and genuine lament. Like that's really good. And then also to have that perspective of what we do have to be thankful for and the ways that God has provided for us. I think that we shouldn't be afraid to be able to do both of those. Cause yeah, there are going to be times where like the church doesn't feel like family to us or we look out and we see it. Like it looks like, Oh, like everyone has their own family and we don't have ours and we're, and we're going to feel lonely and we're going to feel like we live lives that are not witnessed, that are unseen in different ways. And I think that bringing that to God with a spirit of lament is very good and very important. I love that you're using the word lament because what does your good pal, Lori Krieg, say <laughs> about lament? That it's crucial. <laughs> it's, like, it's everything. But she defines it as something to the effect of it's like venting to somebody that can do something about it. Yes. Essentially, the crux of it is that you're bringing your complaints and you're bringing your grievances and you're bringing your hurts and your pains and your confusions to the one person, the one entity, the one father who can actually do something about it and hear it and receive it and 
And that's like a powerful thing to be able to bring that to, to him because, because I have certainly lamented these last few years, but, but I've also certainly been overjoyed as well. And that's, it's a beautiful complimentary nature of, of this whole thing of walking life out with, with people, with family. I think for me, one thing that I've been growing in or just seeing a need for is that, you know, like a lot of the spiritual family around me locally, I mean, a lot of straight people and a lot of married people, and they just don't have that same keen sense of urgency around spiritual family. And so, and they don't even maybe see the same definitions as me. And so it could even just be a matter of, like they don't realize how much I'm counting on them for and how are they going to know unless I tell them, you know? So I think a point of growth for me recently has been being able to express, express that to them, like express my needs to them, share my needs with them so that they can see them and do something about them. And sometimes that's still disappointing, but like it's at least a, a step in a better direction. Yeah. I think that's why people, Cause I don't want to knock people that like are, are all about the side B life and getting all these like dozens and hundreds of side B friends. I think it's a beautiful thing, but there's so much truth to that, Ryan. Like we just inherently have a different perspective that someone who either is married or has a better prospect of marriage. Like that's a, yeah, it's just inevitably we're going to have a different perspective on what family is and what being there for somebody quote unquote looks like. And so, um, So I don't know. It's a, it's, I'm grateful for this perspective. I'm grateful that it's like, it equips us as believers, as brothers to like be there for each other. And in ways that a lot of people, they just don't have that perspective. They don't have that firsthand experience that we do. And I think that we have such a cool opportunity to, to help the church grow in how they define what, what family is and what it means. Because absolutely. I think that lots of churches when they talk about like things for families or about family it's not always a super biblical definition of what family is and i think that i I know that from my experience like being able to kind of open people's eyes to a different way of thinking about it that i think only makes the church be be the church better Several years ago, I was supremely blessed not just to witness some of the most dynamic and and meaningful expressions of true Christian family, but to actually partake in it, to contribute as a member of the body myself. The first came with a church that I was once a part of and in particular, a life group, a small group that I joined that met every Tuesday night. And it was an eclectic group of individuals, to be sure. Young and old, men, women, single, married, dating, people with full-time jobs and others like me with several part-time jobs stacked together. Some in school and some out of school and all of us very much trying to figure out how to make this thing, this thing called life, and in particular, this thing called life together, making it work. And generally every month, we would come together for a potluck, and everyone would contribute a side 
or a drink or dessert. Inevitably, an older woman in our group would come 30 minutes late, but would carry out a gigantic tray of something steaming beneath tin foil, and she took it upon herself to be a blessing to our group, to her family. And from food shared around a table to conversations in a living room, for the first time in my life, I actually felt that this word, this, this term, family, wasn't just a cliche, it could actually be real. It could actually be true. Beyond a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister. And a second instance of family came while working at a summer camp for boys. And the memory is so distinct and strong from one of the last nights of that camp. And while sitting on the floor watching counselors and, and kids run all around the gym, I saw a distinct picture of paradise, that this is the way it was always meant to be from the start. Young and old, smiles and laughter, a togetherness in the room that was palpable. Kids that came from all sorts of healthy and not so healthy family backgrounds to escape for a couple weeks in these mountains of North Carolina to throw a ball at a counselor to shoot a bow and arrow, to paint their bodies in war paint, to learn about Jesus, to take and, and to give. For as much as I was paid to, to contribute and give to these students, to these kids, to these campers, they most certainly gave back to me in the forms of words of encouragement, in the forms of jokes and laughter, in the forms in the forms of togetherness day in and day out, all summer long. And a realization that by the end of the summer, these weren't just kids, these just weren't campers. These were my brothers, my 12 and 13 year old brothers in Christ. These last two Revoice conferences, we have sung a song called, Oh, How Good It Is. And it is a song not just for sexual minorities and not just for a subset of humanity, a subset of the church, but for the greater church, the greater family at large. The lyrics read as follows. Oh, how good it is when the family of God dwells together in spirit, in faith, and unity, where the bonds of peace of acceptance and love are the fruit of his presence here among us. Oh, how good it is on this journey we share to rejoice with the happy and weep with those who mourn. For the weak find strength, the afflicted find grace when we offer the blessing of belonging. Oh, how good it is to embrace his command to prefer one another, forgive as he forgives. When we live as one, we all share in the love of the Son with the Father and the Spirit. So with one voice, we'll sing to the Lord, and with one heart, we'll live out his word till the whole earth sees the Redeemer has come, for he dwells in the presence 
of his people. And so, my brothers, you with strong families of origin, and you without, you young and you old, you hopeful and you whose hope feels frail, may we remind ourselves often of this family, this family of believers chosen for us long ago, a family beyond DNA and middle children, a family of untold generations, a family beyond even space, a family of soulmates and a family of misfits. Let us choose to step out with one another in this family of God, walking beside those similar to and those quite different from us. Let us choose again and again to do as Christ did for his church, his bride, his family, to give of ourselves, to die to ourselves, to aid in the coming of a new heaven and a new earth, soon and very soon, a new place, a new dwelling, a new home. That was really great, guys. Um, and I, I say this being 100% serious, that I actually think, I think of both of you as members of my chosen family. And I'm, that's, yeah. So I think it's like being able to talk about this with you two just feels right because it feels like I'm engaging in this topic with my actual brothers. So thank you for mm. that. Same here. I was oh, just reflecting Jacob. on that earlier today. Yeah, this was a fantastic opportunity and a conversation to have with, yeah, people. We, we, we do throw the term brothers around, and it, I realize it can sound redundant and cliche and maybe watered down to some people in some contexts. But when I say the word brother, like, I really do mean it. I learned it from a friend way back in the day, who's ironically not my friend <laughs> or brother anymore. But it's, it was amazing to learn from him because he called everyone brother, everyone he met baristas and people on the street and and even there's a there's a character called um desmond from lost who would call everyone brother and he would use his scottish accent and for whatever reason this term brother has just always resonated for me not just as a term of endearment not just as a like hey tiger or hey coach or how you know but like intrinsic of something deeper and especially when you relate it to like fellow believers because i you know we're all brothers in the sense that we're all humans and we're all like sharing life together in that capacity. But when you boil it down to this faith journey that we're on and this trajectory that we're all walking toward, um, the term brother just takes on a whole nother meaning for me and sister for the females out there as well. So, yeah. And one of the differences between like ties of friendship and ties of family or kin is that they just like, they just have different rules and work differently. And so you can't have, like you can only have a few, like super close friends and a few more like moderately close friends. And then you can only have like a hundred or so people that you're kind of on your social radar. Um, like the human brain is only wired for so much. And that's, that's like, that's like ties of intimacy or friendship, but like kinship bonds work differently. They're defined differently. They have different rules. Like there's no reason like technically intrinsic to the definition of kinship, why you couldn't have, a thousand brothers or a million brothers. Yeah, 
It could be like Solomon's wives, but in brother terms. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it doesn't come from concubines. Yeah, that's that's the image that we would have. Conky brothers. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that it doesn't come. You can from have thousands and thousands of conky brothers. <laughs> My bond to you and other people as brothers isn't something that comes from inside of me. It's something that that has been established outside of me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is and so this begins part two of our podcast as we talk for the next two hours about the term brothers and kinship. <laughs> Let's keep talking. No, we're done. <laughs> y'all, I want to hear what you have to think. We've talked long enough. Um, I want to hear about y'all's experience with this term chosen family. Is it new to you? Do you are you familiar with it or at least the concept of it? What do you think? I'd love to know your thoughts on chosen family and how you approach it as a teenager, as a 20-something, as a 30-something. If you are already all the way up in your 50s, 60s, 70s. How are you processing life um, when you think about life with relationships, people beyond your family of origin? Jacob. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> family of origin. Please go over to our podcast episode page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Search for the episode 52 topic and uh, leave us a comment. I'd love to hear some stories from y'all. And if you want to vote on the next topic that we talk about, be sure to... Check it out on Patreon. Cast your Be vote. sure to, yes, if you are not already a Yabber, become one and vote because your vote matters. This is the new democratic way we are handling the Yabcast for now, at least. It's a fun little experiment. So so who knows what we'll be talking about next time, but the Yabbers will, will tell us. So we'll be back when that happens. Um, and a big shout out. Thanks again to Escape Rooms for sponsoring this episode, for bringing families closer together, making them see different colors and different stripes of each other that maybe they don't like, but they have to deal with. Turning friends into enemies or friends into family since 2012. <laughs> Thank you, Escape Rooms. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Escape Rooms. Where were you for 2012 years of our civilization? But better late than ever. All right, y'all. That's going to do it. It was fun to be back with y'all, to talk about Chosen Family, to be back in the Blue Ridge. It was just a magical merging of all sorts of factors today. So thank you all for, for being here, and thanks for all you guys for listening. For all your other brothers, this is Tom. This is Ryan. This is Jacob. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. Bye, everyone. See you next time, everybody. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Subscribe to our show to never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at yourotherbros. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog, featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us. <laughs>